All right, good morning, everybody. Come on in and find a seat. We're going to go ahead and get started here as soon as we're situated and ready to go. Good morning. Hope you have a nice warm morning today. It's a good day to be in Florida. Uh, I've got a lot of friends up north that are canceling their services because of the sub-zero blizzards that are flying through. So as cold as you feel this morning, we can count our blessings, right? So, uh, but good to see you this morning on our Vision Sunday. I've uh, been looking forward to today um, as we specifically look ahead to what uh, we are prayerfully uh, hoping God will do through our church in this new year. Um, and uh, this morning is going to be a bit of a uh, more informational in nature, but hopefully just some clear direction in, in, in what our prayer is for the new year. Um, and then uh, you, you notice that uh, as you walked in, some of our tables are set up. And uh, by this evening, um, we should have them all ready to go. And uh, tonight's going to be a dinner, church dinner and a ministry fair uh, where you can see some opportunities for you to serve and jump in in this new year. So uh, be sure to come back tonight at 6 p.m. Again, we'll be starting off in the auditorium as I highlight a couple of particular ministries. And then we'll dismiss um, for, the, uh, for the dinner together. Again, that's a potluck dinner, so if you can bring something. Uh, if no one brings anything, I'll just talk a lot longer here in the service. <laughs> all right? So uh, be sure to bring something to share, and uh, um, we'll enjoy some time of fellowship uh, tonight uh, together as a church family. Are we supposed to bring meat? Are we supposed to bring meat? Meat's always good. Yeah, last time we... We, I think we sent out an email for our last potluck. We're like, by the way, the church is not providing meat. And everybody brought meat. <laughs> so I'm fine with that. If we, if we have that again, I will not complain at all. All right. Well, let's go ahead. I'll open us in prayer. And then we'll jump into this morning's uh, lesson together. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for the privilege it is to serve you um, and to rejoice in your gospel. Lord, I pray today specifically as we... First of all, thank you for your faithfulness over the past year um, and prayerfully look ahead to the year uh, 2024. Pray that you would guide us and strengthen us in the task, that we would be faithful to the mission that you have given us, um, and that we would be a church that is effectively serving you with joyful hearts in this new year. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So today, this morning, I want to talk about growing together in 2024 as a church family. And my... my my goal is to go from the broadest sphere to as specific as we can. Um, everything we do as a church family in 2024 and into the future should be guided by the Word of God, that we should be looking at His truth, looking at what God has called the church to be, and then aligning ourselves with that as a church and everything we do from our morning services to, to an event, to a group, to a ministry needs to be in line with what God has called us to be as a church. A lot of times we can get into a mindset as a church family where maybe, maybe you know, we're just, you can very easily just kind of throw things against the wall to see what sticks, right? Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. And if, it, if people like it, we'll keep it. If people don't like it, we get rid of it, right? And, and very rarely is it governed, driven by, well, what has God called us to do as a church? What is his mission for us? And if something is in line with what God has called us to do, and it's serving people and growing them in discipleship, well, then, then we do it, right? Whether, whether it's something that, uh, that people are fans of or not, or if it's popular or not. We want to be driven by the word of God. We want to be guided by his truth for us. So, again, as I mentioned today, I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be talking through our mission as a church. 
and then an end with some specific things, not just for our church as a whole, but for you specifically. What are some goals that, that, that you could have as a church member here at Faith Baptist Church in this new year? I want to get practical as we can. Um, but um, just as a review, one of the first sessions or the series I did in Sunday evenings was uh, the mission of the church. And we talked through what God has given, the, uh, what mission God has given the church uh, in his word. And uh, looking at the Great Commission specifically, um, we came to this, uh, this statement. Faith Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering and growing disciples who are advancing the gospel together. And that's taken from the Great Commission. And there's multiple components to that. Number one, we exist to glorify God. We are, uh, we are here for his sake. And the way in which we glorify God is by gathering disciples. That's through evangelism and, and through bringing them into the church. And then as we bring them into the church, we're growing disciples. We're maturing together. As we saw uh, the other evening in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're growing together. We're maturing into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then as a result, as we do that, as we grow and mature as Christians in the church, we are together in unified spirit advancing the gospel together, that we, are, that we are spreading the news, whether it's through church plants, whether it's through personal evangelism, that, that the growth that we see in here results in gospel advance out there. And so that's, that's, and that's not like Faith Baptist Church's you know, own little specific mission that uh, we came up with on our own. Right? This is just a, a, a rephrasing of the Great Commission that God has given all of the local churches. Right? And so whether, you know, no matter who you are, you should be governed by God's mission for you. I often say, in prospective members class, I say, it's really actually convenient, it's nice, to, to, to not have the responsibility of trying to come up with my own mission statement for the church. That's not my job. Right? I don't get to decide, well, this is what, this is what my church is going to be all about. First of all, it's not my church, so I can't even say that. It's God's church, and as God's church, he decides this is the mission of the church, and, uh, and, and I align myself, we align ourselves with that. Um, but as we consider our mission and our pursuit of it, oftentimes a mission statement can just be a, a cute statement on a wall, right? And you, you look at it, and you... Include it in your new employee orientation, right? And you uh, pump it up, and then you forget about it, and you never do anything with it, and it never defines or dictates anything you do, right? It could be a company or a church. That's often the case with mission statements. But as we are pursuing our mission, I kind of, I, uh, I, I showed this, this very elaborate and detailed graph when we were going over the philosophy for our Christmas fest. I'm going to draw it again uh, here today. It'll wow you guys, so pre be prepared, all right? So this is where we want to go, right? Simple enough. And here is where we are. All right, so whenever you are seeking to be intentional in your ministry, you have to first of all have a very clear understanding of where you're going, right? What's, what's our mission as a church? Uh, we're not just doing stuff. We're doing stuff with a purpose. We're pursuing a mission. But then secondly, you also have to have a very clear and honest understanding of where you are currently. Uh, we can do this in our own personal lives. The same thing can happen as a church. You have a generous view of yourself, right? I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need any growth. And so, and so there's no pursuit of anything because you're fine with the status quo. Same thing can happen with a church. If we don't have an honest assessment of where we are, 
strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, if you know the whole SWOT assessment, if you're into that kind of thing, right? Um, if you're not looking at those kind of things, then you're not having a good starting point to actually pursue that mission because you don't know, what do I need to work on? What do I need to grow in? So where we are and where we're going, if, if, if the mission is here, right, something that I've been seeking to do over the past few months is just trying to get a sense of how would we describe where we are? What, what, what's our current situation? Um, what are the opportunities? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? But as we... As we try to go from here to here, how do we govern, how do we guide what we do, uh, why we do what we do in a way that's in line with our mission? In other words, what are the guiding principles? Now, what are guiding principles? These are the, these are the commitments that are kind of like the, the tracks that, that you have to stay on, Right? So they're in line with your mission. They're helping you get from here to there. And these are the things you keep in mind as a church, no matter what you're doing. Or is it line with our governing principles, or is it out, out of line with our governing principles? And these governing principles need to be completely connected to our mission as a church. So what I want to do to start out this morning is talk through what should be the guiding principles of Faith Baptist Church of Palm Bay. What, what should be those? And there, there's four that I came up with from our mission statement. So, guiding principles. First of all, first and foremost, we are to be a God-centered ministry, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31, teens, I'm sure you know this from camp, whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That, that, that should govern everything we do as a church. And when we say God-centered, this is in contrast to man-centered. And there's a difference there. That if, I, if we as a church do what we do in a man-centered approach, then we're driven by a different set of motivations. We have a different guiding principle uh, governing what we do. But when we talk about a God-centered uh, approach, a God-centered ministry, what does that look like? And, and there's kind of three components to this. You can call this a, a Trinitarian emphasis, so to speak. But when we talk about God-centered approach to our ministry, number one, it needs to be, we need to submit to the Father's authority in all we do. And how do we do that? Scripture, right? 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we as a church must submit to the Father's authority in all we do. We need to take His Word and allow His Scripture to guide us and govern us um, in everything we do. Uh, and as such, we must be a word-centered ministry, that the Bible is fully sufficient for faith and for life, and our church ministry must reflect that. We must focus on communication of biblical truth in all we do. We saw in our uh, beginning of our series on normal church, right? Speak the truth in love. That's, that's the mission even of the individual Christian. We need to depend on the Spirit's work in all we do. And we do that through prayer, Right? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And again, 1 Timothy chapter 2, the book, is, is in the context of the local church. And, uh, and so he's, he's telling Timothy that there needs to be supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving by 
for all people, right? We need to be, we need to be governed by prayer, and this is part of a God-centered ministry. A question we always should ask ourselves as a church is, could we be praying more? Could we be more defined by prayer than we are now? Is our dependence on the Spirit obvious would be a good way of a good question to ask. Or it could easily be said of us that we are accomplishing things in our own strength. We need to be a God-centered ministry. That means be a Spirit-dependent ministry. And then the third component of this God-centered ministry is we must follow Christ's example in all that we do. Right? This is obedience. Um, Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So our ministry should help people mature into Christ's image. We should provoke each other to greater obedience. Thank you. little faded. All right. Ooh, that's good. I'm going to erase this and start opening on that one. Thank you. So, God-centered should describe everything we do. Our singing, our preaching, our gathering, our fellowship. We exist for the glory of God. If it's the opposite, right, man-centered, what would it look like to be man-centered in our ministry? A man-centered church will cherry-pick truths from Scripture that align with what the church already wants to hear or neglect Scripture altogether. In other words, it can be very easy for someone to say, we uphold the Bible, we preach the Bible, But you can do that in a man-centered way. You can do that in such a way that you just pick the things that you know your church will want to hear, and you ignore the portions that will really make it unpopular, that aren't aren't very comfortable to hear. That's a man-centered approach. The worship services should be geared towards... If it's man-centered, a worship service is geared towards satisfying an audience instead of directing our hearts to God. Right? So, so as we gather for worship, we, we gather for Christ, and we are directing our hearts to Him. Right? It's not, a, it's not a entertainment. It's not, uh, it's not something to just make us feel good. It's something that we are seeking to direct our hearts and submit to Christ uh, in everything we do. So we should be a God-centered ministry, and really, uh, that should be the focus. That should be a guiding principle for every ministry, every class, every, every event. Right? Everything we do should be governed by that. Secondly, we should be a people-oriented ministry. Now, you ask the question, well, isn't that kind of like another rephrasing of man-centered? Right? What, is there a way in which you can be people-oriented and God-centered? Can anyone explain how that might work? What does it mean to be God-centered and people-oriented at the same time? Yes. Okay, right. That's a really simple but very true answer, right? God loves people, so what are we called to do? Love people, right? If you have your Bible, actually turn turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, This is a fascinating uh, passage that makes this connection for us. Because sometimes if, if if we beat the drum of God centered, God centered, all for the glory of God, we can deceive ourselves into thinking, well, people don't matter, right? And you can actually uh, approach your ministry in a way that isn't caring for people, isn't reaching people, and you do it under the guise of, well, it's all for God. But if it's all for God, then it will be people-oriented. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul says this, For it is all for your sake. All right? Everything I do is for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the what? Glory of God. So here you see a direct connection between serving people and glorifying God. Paul's ministry was people-oriented in that all things were for their sake. Why? Because as he served people, grace extended to more and more people. More and more people experienced the grace of God and its saving and sanctifying work in their lives. And as that happens, what is the result of grace extending to more and more people? More thanksgiving. So as, as people are being blessed by the grace of God through the service of other Christians, they respond with, thanks, with thankful hearts as they rejoice over what God is doing in their lives, and thanksgiving brings God glory. Right? So we need to be people-oriented because we are God-centered. That God is glorified as we serve each other, as we love people. Now, if the opposite of God-centered would be man-centered, what would the opposite of people-oriented be in a church context? Self-oriented, absolutely. Now, again, if, if a church is self-oriented, in other words, if that's talking about the pastor, right, if it's all about me, right, that's a, that's a, that's a big problem. Um, or if, if the scripture is presented in a self-oriented way, similar to man-centered, right? Um, another way that... Uh, Another opposite, I think, of being people-oriented would be program-oriented rather than people-oriented. Now, what would the difference there be? Right? Uh, if we're people-oriented, how, how could a program-oriented mind be the opposite of that? Because you're focusing more on uh, advancing <clears throat> the program mm -hmm. than... Correct. Yeah. So Lori said it. You're more concerned with growing the program than you are growing the people in the program, right? Becky. Wouldn't that also be like we've always done it that way, mm -hmm. but the times and the people change? Yes. Good. Yeah. So so Becky mentioned the, the the mindset we often well we always done it that way, right? If that's your only reason for doing something, we've always done it. Then you might be falling into a program-oriented mindset. Right now, again, we're not we're not talking about pragmatism here. Whatever works, right? The difference is: are we upholding a program, or are we are we seeing the program as a way to serve people? Right? This isn't knocking programs. We have programs, right? But but what's the focus of those things? I think I saw another hand somewhere. See another? No. That's true. In other words, so in, in another assessment for this, as we look at our guiding principles, the presence of programs does not mean we're being successful in our mission, right? You can have a lot of programs, but they, if they're not doing anything, if they're not serving people and growing people, then you aren't actually accomplishing anything. So it needs to be people-oriented. We're ministering to people, not maintaining programs. And this needs to be a regular assessment of all our ministries. Are we serving people in this ministry, or is everything for the sake of the program? 
How do you know if your program focused? And we hit on this. If the program continues, even if it's not serving its purpose or serving people. But this is our program. This is what we do. Um, when, and when it's not serving people, and it's not accomplishing its mission, what happens to those who are involved in that program? They get burnt out, right? This is like, why are we even here? Why are we even doing this? So we need to be people-oriented. and also points toward who is accomplishing the ministry. Is it people who accomplish the ministry or programs that accomplish the ministry? It's the people, right? God uses people to serve people. And so if we're a people-oriented ministry, that means we're even aware of those who are volunteers in our programs. Those who are serving in different ways. Are we helping them serve as they seek to uh, be faithful in the church? So we're God-centered. We are to be God-centered. We are to be people-oriented. Number three, we should be gospel-driven. Now this would be in contrast to a works-driven ministry. Galatians chapter 3 Verse 2 through 3, um, Paul rebukes the Galatian church by saying, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? His point here is, obviously you are saved by the work of the Spirit. That's how you entered into Christ. And then he asks a question. Having begun by the Spirit, do you really think that the rest of your Christian life should be accomplished in the flesh? Obviously, no. That should not be the case. But we can fall into that, where we limit the gospel to, well, that's what gets you saved, and not, this is the fuel that, that impacts every part of my life. This is the fuel that should govern every ministry that we do in the church. Is what we do in the church gospel-driven? And this is something, I think, just as you use an example, right, can easily creep into something like our children's ministries. Lessons in curriculum can focus solely on being a good kid instead of we need the gospel. For the vast majority of kids in our ministry, what is their greatest need? It's the gospel. Actually, the children's ministry is very much one of our primary mission fields, right? That we're, we're actually proclaiming the gospel to kids that have been raised in church and heard everything, but haven't necessarily embraced it for themselves. But oftentimes we can fall, well, as long as we help little Jimmy be a good kid and follow all the rules, then we've accomplished our purpose. That's not a gospel-driven ministry. That's, that's a works-driven ministry ministry. But that's not just limited to children's ministries, right? We must be gospel-focused, I said, not in terms of evangelism, but every facet of the Christian walk. We must make it abundantly clear that the gospel is essential to growth. It is essential to navigating trials. It is at the core of what we believe in why we do what we do. In fact, the morning message will we'll hit on that a little bit. Paul? Compliant children or adults are not necessarily Saved. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Paul says compliant children or compliant adults aren't necessarily saved children or saved adults. And that's, that's kind of how I, I was growing up, actually. I was the compliant kid, right, middle child, right, watching the oldest child butt heads with my parents. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to be compliant, right? And, uh, and I, it's very easy to deceive myself into thinking, well, because I'm the compliant kid, I'm the good kid. And since I'm the good kid, I'm the saved kid, right? And that's not the case. 
you can be a very compliant rebel. And, uh, and, so, <laughs> um, and so, yes, we don't, want to, we don't want to make that mistake. And again, these principles are also assessing tools. How do we know, let's say, if our children's ministry is doing what it should be doing? Is it, well, we have a lot of good kids? Or is it the gospel is being presented and, and kids are being confronted with the truths of the gospel? There's a big difference there. Finally, a growth-focused ministry. Now, I'll say at the outset, when I say growth-focused, we're not talking about buildings or numbers. Okay? Growth is referring to Christian maturity and, and, and particularly the progressiveness of that Christian maturity. That growth, just like in a person, is, is slow and in steps. The opposite of a growth-focused ministry, you might say, would be a perfection-focused ministry. Um, is, is success dictated by um, how impressive one is, or is it dictated by seeing steps of growth? Is that, what's our, what's our measuring stick? Um, Ephesians, again, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? In other words, we don't know, we don't, we don't, we don't view success or pursuit of our mission in a way that says, well, you know, do we have perfect people? We, we view success in, are we seeing growing people? Um, even even uh, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, right, be an example, right, in your youth, so that all may see your perfection? No. So that all may see your progress. And that's the sign of a growing church. I mean, just consider God's grace. How does God's grace impact us as Christians? Grace takes us where we are, meets us where we are, and that's a wonderful truth, isn't it? That God's grace meets us exactly where we are. But does grace leave us where we are? It does not. It, ta- it meets us where we are, and then it takes us where we need to be. And if our church is dependent on the grace of God, if we're a growth-focused ministry, then we should be marked by the same thing. And what's that going to look like? We're going to be meeting people where they are, and then we're going to be using the truth of Scripture because we're God-centered and we're gospel-driven and we're people-oriented. We're going to be using the truths of Scripture to show them how they can grow in grace um, and, and become more like Christ. Practically speaking, when we look at our ministries, is there a next step? Is there a next step for every believer as they seek to mature in their Christian walk? Is, is there, just take an individual person, could they, in the context of the church, say, I know, I know what steps I need to take, right? And it is even our ministries geared that way. I, I use the example of, um, again, student ministries is, you know, my thing for a couple of years. So um, when we look at all of our student ministries from nursery to college and career, right, um, I kind of view it as in terms of an ascending line and a descending line. And... Uh, Let's say up here, um, actually, let's, let's try a different word. Um, just for sake of clarity, uh, 
All right, so leading and being led, all right? And let's say right here is nursery. All right, how much leadership is a infant responsible for? None, they're being led completely, right? Uh, they, they do nothing, they, they, they have no ability to lead themselves, okay? Um, by the time we're over here at college and career, should it still be this? No, right? By this time, right? So let's say C20, right? They should be more leading than they are being led. Now again, we should all have a, a spirit of being led as we, as we follow the Lord and we follow those who are, have authority over us. But, but the trajectory changes as they grow, right? Where's the youth group? I think right here, right? Um, but that's, that's often the time where, where you start to disciple and mature and develop teens to, to go from just being led to actually leading, to actually making the faith, their faith their own and, and, and reaching out to others. Um, and so this is an example of how do we, how can we make sure that our ministry as a church is growth-focused and it's actually guiding what we do and how we do it. Um, any questions so far or comments? Yes? So Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God's salvation. Yeah. Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit so that even in the children's ministry, mm-hmm. we're teaching them, trust God, He hears your prayers, He will do something. Yeah, absolutely. And that starts with how we view it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, are we viewing our relationship to the gospel in that way um, as the power of God? Um, because especially with kids, um, the example they see is far more powerful than the words that they hear. And, you know, you remember your children, your childhood Sunday school teacher, right, and their spirit towards you and their love towards you and the impact that, without necessarily remembering all the lessons that they shared, right? So it has to make a difference in your own life first as you seek to be a blessing to those around you. So again, these are the measurements by which we compare every ministry of our church, whether it's a program or a Bible study or a Sunday morning service. We put it up against these four priorities and we ask, are they in line? With these four, is it God-centered? Is it people-oriented? Is it gospel-driven? Is it growth-focused? And these are the considerations, again, um, deciding whether to take on a new ministry, program, or outreach, right? We don't just add stuff. Let's just add something. It's good to add something as long as we're taking it and saying, is it matching where we're trying to go as a church family? Is it in line with our guiding principles? Is it helping us head toward our mission? So once you know what your mission is, and once you know where you are, and once you know here's the guiding principles, well, what happens next? Well, you set goals in line with your guiding principles. Right? This is what we want to, want to accomplish as a church family. Once you set your goals, then you identify objectives to meet that goal. Right? If we're going to meet this goal, this is the objectives that we should seek to reach. Now, as soon as you identify objectives, what starts to be brought to your attention? There are barriers. 
right? There are things that are making it hard for us to accomplish these. And so as soon as you meet these, notice these objectives and these goals, you're going to have these barriers that are popping up. And this is going to show itself in ways of, if, if we just didn't have this right now, um, we would be able to accomplish this objective. Or if we had this, and we don't, then we could accomplish this objective. Or a barrier could be we don't have the right person for this. Or we don't, we don't have the right structure for this. Anything like that. Barriers are just things that just grind you to a halt. And so what do you do? Well, once you have your goals and objectives, you come up with strategies that take into account those barriers. So the strategies are the approaches that overcome the barriers, that meet the criteria that you need to meet to, to obtain your objectives so that you can meet your goals, so that you can accomplish your mission, all the while driven by your guiding principles. Does that make sense? Okay. So what I'm doing here, you know, why am I talking through all of this? Because we are a church-led church. We're a congregationally governed church. And so I think it's very important for me as a pastor to say, by the way, here's what our guiding principles should be. And I'm telling everybody that. Right? These aren't things that I'm just holding close to the vest. Why is it important for me to share this with everybody? So that you can assess too. And so, you know, if we're adding, you, you, you know, okay, if these are our guiding principles, is this, is this really helping us accomplish that? Or, or it helps you see barriers, right? And it helps us be on the same page and know where we're supposed to go. And so it's something, if we're going to be in, have unity of mind, then we need to have a unified understanding. Where are we going? And what's, governing, what's guiding us in that pursuit? So that's the overview, okay? And I want to just talk through, as I've been praying through this, specifically, if we're talking about goals, objectives, strategies, um, what are some specific ways that I hope to see some of these things furthered or accomplished in 2024. Um, and uh, and these, are, these are non-exhaustive, right? This is, there's, there's a lot of things that happen here at church, and there's a lot of goals that need to be met. Uh, but I want to at least point to two that I've been praying for um, that, that I think would be good measurements of, of ministry success and also uh, good reflections of what our mission is as a church and what our guiding principles are. Number one, just as a, as a title, uh, we as a church must, we must be a church that is making connections. Now, what do I mean by this? Um, there's three components to this, and I'll show those in a second, but I'm actually picking this one because I think it plays on one of the, one of the strengths of our church, actually, um, that, that oftentimes when someone comes and visits, they, they, they sense a warmth, they sense a hospitality, they sense a friendliness. Um, and so how can we as a church actually build on that and continue growing on that? Um, and so there's three components to this. Number one, it would look like, connections will look like outreach to the community. Again, this is why we did something like Christmas Fest uh, last December. Um, and in 2024, we want to continue having intentional outreaches to the community with the gospel. But secondly, hospitality for first-time guests. Now again, I think there's a spirit of hospitality. Um, but are there ways in which we can improve on that? I think so. Again, if we're going to be a people-oriented ministry, if we're going to be growth-focused, where we're seeking to, to disciple people with the gospel, how can we approach this in an intentional way? 
And so 2020, 20, in 2024, um, I want to have a developed strategy for guest hospitality and integration into the church. Uh, if you're here for Brian Leonard's our missions, new supported missionary, his combined Sunday school, where he talked through even practically how this looks like in a church. How do you do follow-up? How do you, when a new, let's say a young couple walks through your church doors, and they have a kid that's nursery age, and they have a teenager, right? And they walk in. What do they do? Do they know what to do? No, no they don't, right? Um, we, we, have a friend, we have friendly faces, but not all friendly faces know exactly where they need to go either, right? And so, uh, so there's, there's, I think there's an area to grow there as we're seeking to serve people and glorify God by reaching people for the gospel. I think, I think that's something that we could grow in in 2024. Uh, that, that might include something like an organized hospitality team, a structured system for guest follow-up and, and, and new, new, uh, uh, new believer discipleship. Um, and so I think that's something that we could, we could accomplish. And I think we'd accomplish effectively because we have people in our church that are already geared that way. And we already have friendly faces that seek to, uh, to, to reach out. I'm always appreciative of, of Mike Tenney, who will literally sprint after guests to make sure that, that, that there's a connection there, right? I love that spirit, right? And, uh, and that's something I think that we can uh, grow in and, and, and uh, emphasize in 2024. And then thirdly, fellowship among fellow believers. And, and one thing with this specifically, in 2024, I want to encourage and facilitate um, more uh, whole church fellowship. Uh, and here's what I mean by this. I think currently, many of our events, if you look at our calendar and you see what events, what things are happening, almost all of them are group-specific, right? Youth group, C20, First 10, Joy Club, right? And that's great. I mean, that's, that's why we have those groups, so that they can have some focused time of fellowship uh, together, right? Uh, so again, this isn't saying we shouldn't do that. We should. But if... if if that's most, if not all we do, what happens? Well, then you inevitably have some people that just, maybe they don't fall in a particular category, you know, that fits there. And, 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 and there's no whole church fellowship um, and, and, and connection in that way. And so um, I, I, wanna, I wanna emphasize that and grow in that um, in our church family. Um, in 2024, encourage and facilitate opportunities for personal hospitality. Um, how are we, not just hospitality among uh, first-time guests, but hospitality with each other? Um, does our friendliness and fellowship um, extend beyond just a Sunday morning? Does it show up in our daily lives as we just reach out to those around us? So connecting um, in, in those specific areas is, is a goal that I'd like to see in 2024. And then secondly, um, oh, sorry, one, one exa- let me sh- give you an example, some examples of this. I mean, one example would be you know, the development of a hospitality team. Another example um, that you'll be hearing more of, hopefully from your deacon in the next week or so, is starting at the end of January and then through the month of February, we're going to have some deacon care group lunches after the Sunday morning service uh, for two care groups at a time. So... Um, an opportunity for you, number one, to get to know who your deacon is, as we have five new deacons uh, jumping in, and, uh, and for you to get to know the others in your care group um, and to make that point of contact. So again, that's a, that's a connecting point. 
to make sure that those are um, those are uh, going as effective as possible. So that's uh, that's one thing that's coming up soon. And again, we'll send out more information, and uh, you'll hear from your deacon when that your particular week is for that, when your group would be joining together for that. Another thing um, that I'd like to try, and, and again, you may say, hey, isn't this a program? Aren't you being program-oriented? No, programs are fine, as long as they are serving people and, uh, and accomplishing our mission. This is actually kind of an iteration of something that I believe you've already done here at the church before I've arrived under a different name. Um, and, and that is a... Um, a basically getting together, signing up to, to be matched up with different groups that share a meal together over the course of a few months. Um, I think it was called uh, around, around the, the table, table, right? So I rebranded it, all right? And uh, you may chuckle at this, but you know, whatever, it's what it is. 246 groups. Now, why 246? Look at Acts 246. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Right? So the, 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 the nature, the characteristic of the church was not only gathering together in their place of worship, but breaking bread together in their homes and receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. Um, and so how can we promote that, encourage that as a church family? So this is basically what this is going to do. There's actually a sign-up table out in the Welcome Center. And uh, you simply put your name down, how many people are in your family, and then this is a scary part, you get matched to a group without you knowing. <laughs> All right? And I get to see what the groups are. Um, and so the point, and here's the reason for that. You might have the opportunity to get to know and, 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 and reach out and fellowship with those that you might not normally connect with. Right? So we're forcing you to do it, okay? And so it's going to start in March for a period of three months, March, April, May. And once we have the group set, each month you have one meal sometime during that month at one of your homes, right? And, and, and then we'll, we'll pick a leader for each group that kind of helps facilitate it, run it. And this is a good way to promote uh, fellowship cross-church, right, in an intergenerational way as well. I, I, I really wanted to call it, you know, because you're eating, I wanted to call it 2468. <laughs> but I decided that's too cheesy, right? So I do have a cheesiness limit. And so, um, but there is a sign-up sheet out there and encourage you. doesn't matter if you have a large family, small family, married, single, you can sign up. All right, and uh, you say, "Well, I don't have a home really to host a bunch of people." That's okay too. All right, you could you could go to a bowling alley if you wanted to. That'd be a thing. Or you can have you can actually host. You know, you can use somebody else's home, um, or someone can host twice. Right? It's it's low pressure. And I don't want anyone to think, "Well, I don't have the right meet the right criteria to do this." Um, I want everyone to be able to sign up for this and, uh, and and make sure that those connections are made. The second goal. I'd like to see happen in 2024 would be under the heading of equipping. Um, that we must be a church that is equipping disciples. Three components here. Uh, number one, training leaders. Uh, we, need, we, we, we will continue to identify and train those who are pursuing ministry. We highlighted this um, a while ago, but we have 
uh, pastoral training program that we've been doing with Mike Berryman and Eli Flores, both pursuing ministry. And the goal is if, if we don't have something in place that is intentionally identifying those who are heading in that direction, helping train them in that way, right, then, then, then you're putting yourself in a bad spot. We need to be raising and training and, and, and helping leaders uh, lead. And uh, this is more of a wish, um, but uh, 2024, as far as training leaders, I want to solidify a pastoral staff. I think that would be awesome as well, um, and, uh, and, and make that a goal for 2024. Um, secondly, um, developing servants. So under the heading of equipping disciples, um, in 2024, I want to provide intentional training and, and structure for ministry roles, right? So whether you're in children's church or Sunday school, uh, whether you're in nursery, right? Are you being equipped? Are you being um, given the resources and the training that you need to minister effectively? Or do we tend more toward, great, you signed up, whew, go at it. Just jump in, figure it out, and, uh, and, and, and you know, if you don't do well, we'll take you back out, right? That's, that's just not a good philosophy. We want to develop those who are willing enough to actually uh, serve and help. Um, in 2024, uh, I want to promote ministry succession and development by encouraging volunteers to mentor and train others. Um, so, again, when you have someone who's faithfully serving in a role, and then they have to step out, what happens then? Right? Our, our, our ministry leaders and volunteers looking and identifying those who could actually step up and grab the baton when they're ready to pass on. Or not pass on, that sounds morbid. Um, move on! Thank you. All right. So is there a development? Is there an intentional approach that is seeking to, to train and equip those who uh, would be jumping into those roles in the future? And then, thirdly, uh, discipling believers. I want to provide in 2024 focused opportunities for Christian discipleship, not just under preaching, but, uh, but, but amongst each other, speaking the truth in love. And in those lines, equip believers to help other believers. If we're to speak the truth in love, how do we do that? What does that look like? Are we equipping each other to know how to disciple each other? Uh, some examples that, uh, that we'll have, uh, one or two examples, primarily under this heading. Number one, I mentioned the pastoral training program that, uh, um, uh, that, that we have in place. Uh, secondly, one thing that I'm uh, introducing uh, starting later this month is uh, a, something we're just calling men's leadership meetings. And um, this is somewhat in connection with the pastoral training program. In other words, there's one component in which we're training those who are heading toward vocational pastoral ministry. But what about just raising men within our church um, who can be effective leaders and servants for the glory of God, whether they're working in a normal vocation um, or retired, um, are we raising leaders? So this is something that's going to be on the fourth Friday of every month. At, at the start, we're just going to do it once a month, um, start slow a little bit, and we're going to go through um, a book together and discuss it together. This actually be something that even our, our pastoral trainees will, will have opportunities to lead as well. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a sign up for that as well out in the Welcome Center if that's something that you'd like to do. You say, well, what time is it? Well, this is the bad news, okay? We have busy lives, 
right? People go to work. And so this is going to be a morning before work, all right? So the time is going to be 6.30 to 7.45, okay? Um, and uh, we'll meet here. You can bring your own coffee, right? Um, you, if you have to leave earlier than that, you can leave earlier than that. Uh, but this will be a time for uh, men. And again, this, will, this could include you know, teens. You're, you're welcome to come to this as well. Uh, young adult uh, guys, you can come to this as well. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to, to build each other up, to, to develop leaders. And in conjunction with that, our um, pastoral training program meets every Friday from 8.30 to around 10.30. So for those who are available and free, if they would ever be like, you know what, I'd like to stick around and actually sit in on the pastoral training and see kind of the inner workings of, of, of ministry, things like that, you'd be welcome to do that those mornings as well. But there is a sign-up sheet. There's a book that we're going to be going through and a QR code that you can scan to purchase it. Um, and uh, that's going to be the first one is going to be the fourth Sunday of this month, which I believe is the 28th, I think. Or Friday, first, no. First Friday. Fourth Friday of this month, which is the 26th. Thank you. All right. I have Sundays, the dates for Sundays really down in my brain, but I have to subtract and add to get the other ones. All right. So, yes. On the sign-up sheet, it said the first meeting was January 23rd, so is there a meeting before that Friday? That's probably a typo. Goodness. Let me see here. Um, the 26th. Yeah, January 26th would be the fourth Friday of this month. There's no meeting before that, just show up in the 20s. Yes, correct. Yep. Um, all right. So those are some examples as far as what do we want to accomplish as a church. I want to, I want to actually, before we hit the, the goals for us, what about barriers? What are, what are, what are some barriers? We look at, we look at the, the goals that we'd like to see take place. What are some potential barriers? These are problems, future or immediate, that limit or stop your ability to accomplish your objectives. And so as you pursue your objectives in line with your guiding principles, your approach needs to account for the barriers that would slow you down. And if you say, okay, in our church right now, broadly, what are, what are two barriers that could impact our ability to accomplish our mission? I, I, I see two. There's more, right? But here's, here's probably two big ones that might rise to the surface in our own thinking. Number one would be pastoral staffing, right? Um, we, we need more pastors on staff. And so that's something short-term, immediate, that, that we need to make sure that we're pursuing and, uh, and accomplishing. A more long-term one would just be facilities, right? Um, we're a fairly large congregation for the size of building that we have. And uh, I know there's always a lot of questions of, well, are, is that ever going to change? Um, in between these two, staffing and leadership needs to be solidified before tackling something like buildings and facilities. Um, again, if we're people-oriented, then we need to have the people in place before you start dealing with the program. And so, and there also needs to be clarity in philosophy and direction before a building or facilities or improvements are really addressed. So first and foremost, we need to have a unified church pursuing a unified mission led by a unified pastoral staff. And if you enter any type of building project without, that without being in that place, you end up with a new building and not many people. Because uh, that, it's a difficult process to go through something like that. But knowing that it's a barrier, and will continue to be, means that now is a time to just think, pray, and prepare. And so that if God leads us to a place where we can address facilities, uh, for that reason, we'll be ready, right? We have some good short-term solutions. We've Ben Bruner, who came on staff, has been doing a fantastic job just 
upkeeping what we have and making sure that we're being faithful in the resources that God has given us. But I know, you know, those two barriers are on a lot of your minds. Staff, pastoral staffing and facilities. And those are barriers. And we need to make sure that we're being intentional uh, in those areas. Um, but I want to conclude with offering some goals for you in 2024. If all we do is say, here's what the church is doing, then it's easy to sit back and watch the leaders do it. But as we learned last Sunday night, each one of us has a mission to accomplish, to speak the truth in love toward each other. We're all called to do that. And that's how we build up the church. So I just want to make it simple. What can be some goals for you in 2024? Two things. And if you can seek to accomplish these two things this year, then I think our church will, will grow uh, dramatically. Not numbers, facilities, all that, but grow in discipleship, maturity, um, and faithfulness. Two things. First of all, find one place to serve. In 2024, would you prayerfully commit to finding one place to serve in the church? Do you see a vacancy that needs to be filled? Do you see a ministry that aligns with your gifts? Do you see a ministry opportunity that you could suggest and lead? In other words, maybe the opportunity, the place to serve, isn't available, but it's something that could be available, right? It's, it's, you suggest it. You say, hey, this is something that I could do, right? Find one place to serve. Do you see a simple way, or do you just see a simple way to serve outside of an official role? We're going to be highlighting ministry opportunities today. We have the tables out there. But remember, your service to the church does not have to be limited to a ministry title or a position. And we can fall into that mindset very easily. Your place to serve could be, you know, I, I look around for trash by the playground after church on Sunday and throw it into the trash can, right? Like, really? Could that really be my place? Sure, that could be your place to serve, right? It doesn't have a title. You're not going to get compensated, sorry. Uh, but it, it could be something as simple as that. Right? My place to serve is to write letters of encouragement to shut-ins, right? It's something that there's no title, there's no ministry, there's no program in place. But you're saying, here's one way that I can find a place to serve. Prayerfully commit to finding one place to serve. Um, we looked at, in our, in our um, Sunday evening service on, on normal church, the, the difference between trellis work and vine work, the trellis and the vine idea. A lot of this will most likely look like trellis work, but using your gifts to serve the church as a whole is vital for effective discipleship to take place. So find one place to serve, and secondly, and most importantly, find one soul to reach. Would you prayerfully commit to finding one soul to reach this year? One person that you decide, I'm going to reach out and speak the truth in love to them. Maybe it's someone who needs the gospel, right? Maybe it's an evangelistic opportunity where you're, you're committing to, to witness to that person and bring the gospel to them. Maybe it's someone else in this church. Let's define a little bit what we mean by reach. Our normal mission as normal Christians is to speak the truth in love to one another. And so we reach someone else with the truth of the Bible for their growth and their encouragement. That's what we mean by reach. In other words, when I say one soul to reach, I'm not saying, you know, send a text. Hey, how you doing? Praying for you. Got my 2024 goal. Done. All right. 
no, this is, this is, this is life discipleship, right? Maybe, it's, maybe it looks like a mentoring thing where you, you're reaching out and meeting with someone and, and talking through the difficulties of motherhood, right, and from your experience. Or maybe, maybe it's talking through, you know, helping someone guide through a trial, something like that. Maybe if you're like, well, I'm not, I don't feel like I can mentor somebody. I don't feel like I have, I'm experienced in that. Maybe it's meeting up with someone and just reading through the Bible together. Hey, let's, let's read through the, the book of Colossians together and just talk about it. We'll read a chapter. We'll meet up for coffee, read a chapter of, the, of, of Colossians together, discuss it together, and pray together. Simple, right? Um, maybe it's just making it a point to, uh, to be a prayer partner with somebody and reach out and be con- uh, continually praying for somebody. Be, prayerfully consider finding one soul to reach. We have around 250 members in the church. Imagine if 250 members simply committed to finding one place to serve and one soul to reach in 2024. If we had 250 people doing that, seeking to reach one other person, what kind of effect congregationally would that have? And I think that's what we're talking about when we see in Ephesians 4, when each part is working properly, it builds itself up in love. So we can talk about programs, we can talk about initiatives, we can talk about Bible studies, we can talk about um, uh, opportunities, but if we're not, as members, seeking to build each other up in love, then it will be all trellis and no vine. So that's, that's, that's what we're aiming toward in 2024. And again, if you have any questions about that, if you say, hey, what about this? Or, or have you thought about this? Please reach out to me. Um, and, 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 and let me know. We'd love to meet with you, talk with you, um, correspond with you on that. But hopefully, as we look in 2024, as, when we reach the end of 2024, we can look back and see what God has done. Let me close in prayer, and we'll be dismissed before our morning service. Lord, we thank you for um, your faithfulness to us. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would guide us into this next year. Lord, that we would be um, characterized by the principles of your word that we would be uh, centered on you, that we would be serving each other, would be driven by the gospel, and that we would be um, faithfully following you as we grow progressively in our walks with you. Lord, we thank you for our church family. I pray that you would guide us into this next year for your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Before I forget, I'll probably forget at the end of the evening service, after we're done here this morning, after the morning service is concluded, we might could use some help setting up some round tables in the fellowship hall uh, for our dinner uh, that evening. So if you can stick around after the morning service to help with that, that would be appreciated. Thank you. You're dismissed.